0: Blood Talk Radio.
1: The Tipping Point, it's going to be an exciting night, a special episode, if you will, of The Tipping Point, where some of Georgia's most prominent wrestling people will share secrets of their favorite promos, share the stories on why they love them, and then do the promos themselves. I am Stephen Platinum, and I, along with Larry Goodman, are looking forward to tonight. How are you doing tonight, Larry?
2: Doing well, Mr. Platinum, broadcasting from the historic northwest side of Chicago, Portage Park neighborhood, on this beautiful Chicago evening. I'm doing fine. Wow. What's the, what's the temperature like
1: here? Because I will just say it is hot as balls
2: here <laughs> in like, oh, oh, Florida. People are complaining like crazy here because it's 90 degrees. So what it is, it's like a typical Atlanta summer day. And people here just hate. You know, they're just not used to this kind of stuff. I mean, you get you get 90 degrees in Chicago, but not very, not that much. And people are complaining. Mm-hmm. They're yapping about it. So, but yeah, you know, I'm 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 at my mom's house, and the, this house was built uh, in 1907 by her uh, wow. grandfather. There's There's been a family member has occupied this house continuously since 1907. It's It's a trip. I went to use the landline to dial up the show, and it was one of those old phones that still has the clicks when you put in the the numbers. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So anyway,
0: on to wrestling.
1: Yes. Um, Do you want to say the five people who are coming on tonight?
2: Uh, I guess we can reveal them now. Yeah. We are fortunate to have uh Jeff G Bailey from Spinebuster Wrestling uh in his debut appearance on the Tipping Point Hold Your Beer Hansen will be on the show. <laughs> How much do I love Wilson. the name. <laughs> I know, I know. We, we we have uh Georgia Wrestler of the Year Logan Creed and we have Mr. Matt Hankins.
3: Wow.
1: So, um, I mean, we haven't heard all of these people cut promos, but certainly three on the list we have. Um, You know, Jeff G. Bailey, legendary, legendary promos. As you could say the same about Dan. Um, I saw a a discussion recently where they're talking about, you know, who are the the managers right now in Georgia who are the best? And Tank, as Tank is wont to do, just went on there and go like, Ever since Bailey and Dan left, there ain't no more managers, basically. Um, so I would, I, would, I would propose this. And, you know, it's something that we were going to discuss. Um, what are the promos this year that have mattered, both in Georgia and nationally? I can think of one for each. And I, I, I'd say nationally, it was AEW, uh, that, that post-match promo by Cody Rhodes to uh, Dustin Rhodes. Um, is the only one that kind of comes to mind where people are like, that was an amazing promo. And uh, Hankins' promo at Peach State, which really garnered a lot of interest for that match. Um, You know, that's the only one I can think locally. Now, can, can you think of others, Larry, that have happened this year that mattered in Georgia and on the national scale?
2: So I I don't watch enough national to even be have an intelligent opinion on that, but locally, hmm. I think I do, and um, I would have to say also say the Hankins promo, of of the ones yeah. I've heard, uh, Dr. Brocks had some had some good ones, um, Simon Sermon is always good on the mic, but I but yes. I think that that one by Hankins and I you know I was talking a little bit about that, and he he mentioned that when he went to do that promo like he didn't tip his hand nobody knew what he was good what he was going to do Shane Marks didn't know Sal Renaro didn't know he just went out there and did it so Ooh, uh,
1: what a cool. novel concept
2: <laughs> yeah yeah
1: That's great um Larry what's up, um, uh talk speaking about promos and I you know I wanted to highlight this in a show because I just think promos are so important and I think – I don't want to say it's a lost art or a dying art. I will say that it's it's something that possibly could come back again because if, if Heyman and uh, Eric Bischoff are running Raw and SmackDown respectively, I mean, both of those guys, in their own right, I think were really great promo guys and certainly believers in the promo. I mean, Heyman famously, but I would say that Eric Bischoff has cut more than his fair share – of really great character-driven promos.
2: Well, if if Vince will let loose of the con, of control, I'm sure Heyman would not favor these these terribly horribly scripted type promos. I can't believe that he would.
1: No. Based on his history. Uh, no. And I but, mean, I mean, clearly on Raw, they went for the Heyman holy shit moment right from the jump. I mean, when they did that. Thing uh, once I heard about it, I went and watched it, and that thing with Lashley and Strowman was insane. And the way that they played it is real. The way that you know they had you know Corey basically, yell, holy shit, which like totally gave it a real feel. The way they stayed quiet, and then all you could hear at one point while they're lying there in the rubble of the Titantron is the crowd chanting, "Thank you, Heyman." <laughs> I think if oh, got to modern wrestling. That, well, yeah, that's what's going to stop. That's what's actually going to stop it, unfortunately. I think it, the more credit Heyman gets for a product that's gone good, um, the less likely they're going to be to continue
2: to do it.
1: And I, I and I think that's also a, a trait of modern wrestling, and I think it's very silly. But I could hey, be listen,
2: before time gets away from us in this opening segment, mm-hmm. I want to make a... a... A, a quick diversion over to AEW because you wanted to talk a little bit about the um, Cody Rhodes chair shot and a little bit in general about AEW so so go right ahead.
1: Absolutely so the the the, the big story coming out of AEW's thing um, you know fire night it was uh, the chair shot and you know a lot of discussion was like there's no place for that in wrestling anymore and Uh, and all of that, but to me, the bigger story, I mean, chair shot to the head. Should you do it in the modern age? Probably not. Um, Do I think it's that big of a deal? You know how many unprotected chair shots I've taken to the dome? I mean, it was the late nineties for crying out loud. We used to do, we used to literally do, you know, the way the guys like trade slaps to the face or forearm shots. We used to sit there and crack each other over the chairs. So dumb, but I thought the AEW response to everything indicated a great deal. It was very troubling, right? Where they said, Oh no, it was this gimmick chair and it sort of implied that it got away from them. And uh, it was just very amateurish. And I thought the there were elements of the show that just showed that AEW really is, it is kind of run by the boys and why that's not always a good thing. And, Wrestling is full of great first chapters, folks, full of them. Russo used to write a killer first chapter every time he started over again. But again, talent, I just, I just feel like sometimes the instincts of talent, which is, you know, doing a lot of parody stuff, a lot of, I call it inside baseball where they do like a lot of jokes that are kind of funny to them um, and not necessarily to a wider audience. I, I thought this was really indicative of it. So, you know, Matt Fells had a spot where he came out, and he, he acted like a fan, getting in between the guys dressed like Ken and Ryu from Street Fighter. And then they did the lights out, and then they did the Akuma thing. Now, you, Larry, probably have no idea what the hell I'm talking about, which is point number would one. would be correct. Right. Right. And then... I saw somebody online, a wrestling fan, not understanding the thing that Matt Sells was doing. He came out and acted like that kid who did the Batista, like firing guns thing. It was a famous thing that happened on a raw backstage segment (laughs) where this kid runs, is running from security. And it was was legit. And he stops in front of Batista and does Batista's entrance real fast and then keeps running. And Batista just busts out laughing because it's so crazy. Right? So that's a reference that Matt Sells was making. But this guy who is a geeky hardcore wrestling fan didn't get the reference. Like I had to explain, I'm like, I'm old. And I didn't even see it. What, how, when it happened. And even I know what the hell that reference was. But to me, it sort of highlights that again, the tap for talent. That shit's hilarious. I think they're missing the point, which is, At some point, they have to garner a bigger audience. And if this is their mentality going in, I don't see how they're going to do it. I'll just be blunt and honest about it.
2: Yeah, I didn't see uh, all the show. I saw a portion of the show, and that was one of my main takeaways. I enjoyed what I saw of the show, but I didn't see anything that crosses over to a larger audience. I'm sure their, their fans loved it. And at this point, they don't have to cross over, but they're getting close to where they're going to have to. So I hope they mm-hmm. go, when they go into the national TV part, their mindset is different than what they're doing on these shows. I mean, I'd like to believe that there's plenty of smart people involved who know that they've got to do, they can't do what they are doing on these shows when they go on national TV in terms of the, the approach.
1: Um, <laughs> and, you know, some of the pre-show stuff, like Leva Bates, Leva Bates, whom I'm a huge fan of, love Leva Bates, right? Um, you know, they did this librarian thing, which is sort of an allusion to this anime thing. Uh, again, you have no idea what I'm talking about and and how it played out in front of the crowd was incredibly weak. And I thought, and now who did more weird stuff than me in Georgia, right? I did weird stuff all the time, uh, but, but my goal was always, I always wanted the audience to understand the spirit of the thing, if not the specifics of the thing. Does that make sense? So you may not get what I'm doing with campus strike force, but you get that I'm making some kind of power rangers reference. And and that's something that's very approachable. Everybody knows what the power rangers are for crying out loud. Right? So even if there's more nuanced stuff that's being missed, I want the big picture stuff to get over, right? You may not know eighties wrestling tag team road warriors, that kind of thing. You may not, if you're too young, But the Contras, like that kind of humor, translates because you get that they're sort of like these sort of machismo, like stereotypical, like old school wrestler promo guys. So I don't know if they have anybody – put it this way. My takeaway from AEW, I don't know, Larry, if there's anybody there saying no or if there's anybody Mm -hmm. there editing. And you have to – Great novels are edited into great novels. And I'm of the mind that talent always thinks you have an idea and that idea is your baby and you have to protect it, nurture it, and carry it through. No, the Spartans had it right. That baby's got a misshapen skull. Down the cliff it goes.
0: Right? We're, We're trying
1: to make the best army in the world and you can't do that with some kids. That's the reality and ideas are not babies and they are not precious and untouchable. Great writers, great performers, great storytellers are great editors and I don't see any proof yet that AEW has an editor.
2: Yeah. I I, I'm with you on that. I can't, I I don't find anything to to disagree with.
1: But you know, speaking of greatness, you know we we wanted to dedicate this to promos tonight the promos that inspired and the people um ha, were, who are were affected by the promos and are now sort of helping this linger on and live on um and i can't wait to hear i'm glad the people signed up um the i'm glad that people signed up who are people of note and also, people that we've never heard from before. It's very exciting to me. Larry, if I had to put you on the well, spot, and it's like, what's a promo you remember when you were younger? Just say what the promo is. I know we've we got to bring Jeff on here in just a moment.
2: Well, we talked about this on the, la- the last show. It would be something goofy but memorable from like Nick Banquinkle or, uh, or The Crusher. I can't even remember specific. Thing I just think of some of the, the catchphrases they used in, in those promos that will stick with me forever Because they're some of the first things I ever heard wrestlers do So
0: awesome. you know It wasn't
2: the the, the greatness or the, Of of the particular thing uh, That that they were doing but we do have greatness On the line with us
4: Absolutely. So why don't we go to that
2: greatness right now Jeff G. Bailey Welcome back to the Tipping Point sir
5: Pleasure to be here What's going on
1: <laughs> Je- Jeff I gotta Admit I'm uh. I'm, I'm equal parts excited, but there's, there's a tinge of nervousness about what is the promo that you picked. Knowing you, you are a perfectionist about things. I'm sure that you had any number of promos that you sort of milled about and thought about which one you would talk about and do. I just, I can't wait to hear. So uh, what, what is it? What's the, what's the promo that the great Jeff G. Bailey has chosen? Well, if there
5: was any taste or justice in this world, this show would be full of people reading my promos. And I was almost (laughs) tempted to do that, but, uh, I'm not, uh, the, you know, the promo that I picked, uh, happened 20 years after I had already been watching wrestling. In Mm. fact, it took place the, uh, the same month that I worked my very first show and, uh, It's a promo. It's not the best promo that person's ever cut, and it's not my all-time favorite promo, but it's a promo that had a profound influence on me and really helped mold the Jeff G. Bailey style. I mean, this promo spoke to me. On a level like no other wrestling promo, I had heard to that point, to me, it was the promo that, that kicked the doors down and said, you know what, say what you want, make people squirm. And that's the promo that I picked because it's the one that truly kicked the door open and made me say, all right, cool, do what you want to do. So should Ooh. I read it first? Absolutely. Talk about what it is? Oh, so let's I'm going to read it tell, first, oh, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, Please. I'm just going to go ahead and read it, and I just want to say uh, I'm going to read this the way I would read it if I was telling it to you over the phone. I am not trying to impersonate the person who cut the promo in any way. So uh, whew, here we go. Let me tell you something, 30 years ago, we'd have been strung up in somebody's tree, getting hung for beating two white boys the way we just did. But now you might want to come out here and put some belts on us, but the only belts we're going to be wearing around here is the tag team belts. Let me tell you something, I don't like being up here. I was getting out of my car, and I slipped and fell in some tobacco spit. You know what I'm saying? Nothing but rednecks up here. Nothing but geeks up here. Nothing but coal miners up here. Chicken farmers. Klansmen. I don't like nobody but my partner. You understand? I don't care who you line up in front of me. I'm going to show you how bad New Jack and Mustafa is. You want to talk about violence? Violence to you might be putting somebody in the figure four. Violence to me is taking a can of gas and pouring it on you and setting you on fire. Like me or not, I didn't come up here to be liked. I came up here to get paid. And whoever you put in front of me, I'm going to drop them down. I'd like to send a special shout out to my homeboy, O.J. Simpson. Keep up the good work. Two less we got to worry about. You understand? Keep up the good work. Louis Farrakhan will be the next president. Snoop Dogg, we know you're innocent. You called me last night. You understand? Get ready, Smoky Mountain, because we're going to set this place on fire. That's my promo. <laughs>
1: Crap. Wow! Even uh, even un, even under the modern eye, that promo's still shocking. It's still shocking, and I mean, that what what better test of time is there that a promo can still feel very dangerous, very outrageous? Man, I mean, this so, is an so introductory,
5: introductory promo. This is the first promo they did there. They hit the ring, beat that fucking hell out of some people, and then cut this promo. I mean, it, God, oh, you tell me what's better than this. What, I mean, holy, I mean, this is an introduction to New Jack and Mustafa. And uh, yeah. I don't know about anybody else who saw this promo when it aired, but uh, I couldn't wait. To see more of New Jack and Mustafa, that's for sure.
2: Jeff, Jeff did they do that at a regular TV taping? Or was yes, they... sir. I... <laughs> wow, you probably were there.
3: I was there.
2: Well, mostly I went to Knoxville to the major shows, but I, but I can I can certainly say that that was my, one of my last real experiences experiences of real real heat was the, were some of the New Jack's shows in Smoky Mountain as you can imagine from that that promo in those towns up there, what kind of heat that would get.
5: I mean, that's not anywhere close to New Jack's best promo. I mean, from this point on, New Jack was easily one of the best promos in wrestling during this whole run through Smoky Mountain and ECW. I mean, untouchable. Just the most real, visceral, true, make you squirm, make you scared, make you want to buy a ticket promo.
2: Yeah.
1: And, Nothing and like that's, there's, you know, we haven't broken down what a promo is, but I'll just give my simple explanation. It is a promo. It is short for promotion. If, the, if it doesn't serve to make you want to buy a ticket, then it is a failure. Now, that doesn't have to be its primary intent, but if there is not an element of I have to see how this plays out and I'm willing to pay money to see how this plays out, then it is not a Promo. That's the difference between a promo and a vignette, right? You can have a vignette, and that's a whole different thing, and that can be used for character building or whatever. But there's a difference between that and somebody just taking the microphone and basically selling. And I mean, what New Jack was selling there was, I mean, you gotta pay to see it. Like it, you're, you hate me. You're outraged. You want to pay to. See for someone to beat the shit out of me or to see if anybody can. I mean, that's a terrifying promo. That's that's well beyond the usual sort of like cheap heat stuff. That's really on a different level altogether. It really is.
5: Violence to you might be putting somebody in the figure (laughs) four. Violence to me is taking a can of gas and pouring it on you and setting you on fire. I mean, come on. This, this, like I said, this kicked the door down, and it was a
1: free-for-all. There were no a, more
5: limitations on what you could say.
1: Did you ever cut a promo where this promo not only inspired you, but maybe you like sort of did an homage to it or, or cribbed an idea from it for one of your own promos?
5: I don't think that I ever did an homage or cribbed from it, but I think it inspired every promo I ever did. Mm. It's, no it's higher praise. promo. I mean, it's, it's the one... I mean, I did my first show the month this promo aired. Wow. Because this is July of 94 when this promo was shot. And I did my first show in July of 94, and uh, I had done my first show before seeing this promo because this aired later in the month. But uh, it was, it was like, it was, it gave me the license to be what I wanted to be. And all the good and bad that comes with that, which, you know, in 2019, there's a lot of bad looking back on it. That some mm-hmm. people would say, I really don't give a fuck what they say, but, uh, you know, this was the inspiration for fuck it. I can say whatever I want. And I love that, you know, all the wrestling rule of, oh, you can't say you're going to do something terrible to somebody or kill them or any of you know, Fuck that. You can say whatever you want.
1: As long as the hilarious that it happened on a Jim Cornette show, right? Cause he's the one who's the proponent of those rules. And that's a promo that basically violates everyone, B- but it doesn't violate the most important one, which is it's compelling and it makes you want to buy a ticket. Like it, it meets that standard. If nothing else, <laughs> and uh, unbelievable. Wow. 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 Great choice.
5: Thank you. Mm. Uh, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a real choice.
6: It's a, it's, it's
5: a genuine influence. And I mean, I've a, i have I grew up on flair and Piper and black Jack Mulligan and, and plenty of great talkers in mid Atlantic. And there was a lot of great stuff to choose from, but I wasn't going to be Michael Hayes and I wasn't going to be Rick flair, but what new Jack was talking about, that's what i wanted to be i wanted to be threatening and menacing and frightening and make people squirm and make people just irrationally angry because then they'll pay their money every time
0: mm. i
1: think it's pretty can much you imagine your a dream too yeah <laughs> i agree with that can you what, imagine a world on? Larry said, I think you achieved your aim. <laughs>
0: Thank you.
1: Could you imagine a world where Jeff G. Bailey and New Jack got to cut a promo together or where New Jack cut a promo for New Jack? I, I, I mean, I can't imagine what would have been said. <laughs> so, so Awesome.
0: Well, so time, I'm it, very
5: excited to hear what everybody else chooses. Hopefully it's not a bunch of fucking people reading hard times over and over. <laughs> <'Cause>, uh, <laughs> let, let, me, let me just go ahead and throw this out there for, for, for mm-hmm. all those people. There's 10 years of Dusty Rhodes promos in Florida and Georgia that are as good or better than hard times. Look for them. Check them out. Yeah. It's not the only Dusty Roads promo in
1: existence. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Well, thank you for being on. Larry asked if uh, you're enjoying retirement, Jeff.
5: Oh, my God. I mean, if I talked about all the stuff that was going on in my life, people would want to fucking kill themselves out of jealousy. I mean, <laughs> okay. it's the greatest shit in the world. There ain't nothing that I'm not right.
0: doing. Maine. I live
5: like a god. It's It's unbelievable. Everybody who hasn't retired yet, it's the greatest thing in the world.
2: What can I tell you? So when you said you were retiring to that island, you really did it. Oh,
5: well, I'm not on an island, but I'm in a big white house on a big stone hill overlooking beautiful Lake Lanier, baby.
0: <laughs>
1: yeah. And he goes where he wants And does what he wants Sees who he wants And eats what he wants That's the <laughs> word <laughs> Well thanks Thank Jeff you so Jeff. much for coming on And starting us off of course With a bang We appreciate it you very bet, much guys.
5: Looking forward to the rest of the show
1: Thanks Yes Larry Jeff is so ingrained with being a manager that when he speaks normally, it it's like a promo.
0: <laughs> yeah, <definitely. laughs> he answers a question
1: that anyone would go like, oh, retirement's very nice. So, right? it's just like I'm living Ooh.
0: like a god. <laughs> it's like, it's like, it's, and again, I'd rather
1: hear Jeff answer the question, how's retirement, than I would most wrestling promos. That's a
0: fact.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Hey, Mr. Planner, we're going to jump now to Hold Your Beer Hanson. Uh, from <laughs> I love that name. Buster Wrestling and other places. Welcome to the show, sir.
7: Hello there. How you doing? Good, man. Good, man.
1: Thank you for jumping in. Um, you oh, were the first guy who responded. I was
7: responded. my beer, Hanson.
1: Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Hold my bare hands and make sure we say it right. Yes, sir, yes, sir. Well, sorry about that. Sorry. Hold my <laughs> bare hands. I, I,
7: I'm so happy to be here though.
1: He uh he will never make that mistake again. Um I might. I still nope. can't get Rob or Rod's name right. But um Hold my beer, Hanson. Um, you felt inspired to come on and do this. What is, um? what's the promo? What's the promo that you're going to, you're going to tell us about today?
7: Well, today uh, I'm doing Marty Skrulls' Greed. Whenever he was in Progress Wrestling, he was in a high angle with uh, Will Ospreay. And watching okay. the character work and seeing how he just lived everything about the character. And you saw the sadisticness, the, 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 the cold and calculated way he talked to you—it just spoke to me. Before I was even a uh, pro, uh, trainee to be a pro wrestler, it
1: well, was just.
7: Uh, one I of love that, that, that it's... you picked.
0: Yeah.
1: Sorry, I don't know. I, I said I love that you picked something modern. I, I just, you know, like I, we were curious what you were going to pick in general, but that's amazing. So set the scene a little bit for us. What is this promo in in direct reference to? And then, whenever you're feeling it, go ahead and go ahead and uh, read that promo for us.
7: If anything, I think this promo is more of a direct uh, character explanation. You can really watch yeah. this video and see that what type of man that Marcus Girl really is. So, I think it's uh, more just a setting the tone and understanding who this man is. All right. <clears throat> Greed. Greed is to do all the talking, but not wanting to listen at all. Tap, tap, tap. Greed. Tap, tap, tap. That's the sound I hear in my head when I hook on the cross-faced chicken wing. That's the sound I hear in my head when I daydream at night. And that is the sound I hear... When I inflict pain and punishment on my opponents. Does that make me sadistic? Does that make me a psychopath? Does it really make me a bad person? Well, before you make your judgment, ask yourself, are you such a good person? You see, while you sit at home with your feet on your coffee table, next to your television with a roof over your head, nearly half the world lives in poverty. Poverty, that's 3 billion people. And what do you do about it? Nothing. We as the human race are the most selfish species on this entire planet. But listen, it's okay to look out for number one. Because you, just like me, are a villain amongst villains. It's not fair to only show people the petals but not the thorns. We're all bad people. We're all guilty of it. Greed is good. Greed is your friend. Greed is there to be embraced. And greed, my friend, greed will allow you to live long enough to become a villain.
2: Nice, nicely done. Wow,
1: I have never heard that promo. Larry, have you heard that promo before?
2: No, no, uh.
1: Uh-uh. I guarantee you, if I would heard it, I have remembered it. So that was a great, great, great choice. So when you when you saw that promo, um, what 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 impact did it have on you? What thoughts did you have about it? And did it and and did it influence you in any way?
7: Uh, absolutely on the influence, because before, uh, you know, whenever I started training to be a pro wrestler, um, it was one of those things where I was trying to do, you know, a creepy gimmick and I was trying to do like mix of Papa Shango mixed with Ray Wyatt, you know, and mm-hmm. eventually that just fell through because I just, you know, I just wasn't ready enough for it. And so I yeah. switched to this hold my beer character, which I then learned that, you know, it's Easier to come in, you know, shaking babies, kissing hands, (laughs) and uh, and just, you know, I I just love being the good guy around here. It's really easy for, you know, kids to have a role model. I learned that that was a lot easier for me than to just talk about doom and gloom. Um, The promo was just, it spoke to me in the fact that, you know, this man was really pointing out the dark flaws in everyone. Instead of, you know, just saying, I'm going to hurt this man. I'm going to walk yeah. in here and I'm just a brutal person. It more like spoke to the audience and said that really you're just like me. How are you any better than me?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I
1: I, I think that the crux of every great heel promo is not, the separation though. That's part of what they have to talk about. Right. Cause it, cause why are people going to pay to see you if you aren't in some way special, but it's yeah. also connect. It's also holding a holding an unkind mirror up to the crowd. There's nothing they hate more. Um, th- there's nothing that bothers them more. Like when we were talking about Jeff G Bailey, You know, his African-American Superman promo, right? Like on the face of it, on paper, if you had somebody in the city look at that promo, they would go like, oh, he's a hero, right? He's an attorney and an agent (laughs) representing these black men who have been overlooked. But it's Jeff pointing out to Cornelia, Georgia, you're all a bunch of racists. Right. <laughs> you can't recognize the greatness. And, you know, I'm not saying that's true. I'm just saying it's true enough that it hurts. Right. There's the expression is the truth hurts and him pointing out in his promo, Hey, like you all say you're good people, but there's all this bad stuff and you do nothing about it. So don't sit on your high horse. That's a hard thing to hear. And, uh, it, it inspires it kind emotion. It sounds
7: like right? a, uh, it kind of sounds like a typical night on the uh the Stephen platinum youtube channel <laughs>
1: yeah I, I it's always been easier like for you like you work face uh and for you you found that to be incredibly effective and much easier to do. I have a hard time doing it, and I think it's because it's possibly because I started later in life, right? I, I kind of, I didn't get into wrestling until I was in my twenties going into my late twenties. And then I, so it was hard for me to be a baby face. It was very easy to be a heel because I had so much to be angry about. And I really hate wrestling fans. I think that that's always comes across. And so <laughs> I just despise them. I really do. And so it's a very easy thing to sort of manifest, and uh, what a great choice of promo, just very different, very different than we are expecting. Now, what's, what's an example of a Hold My Beer Hanson promo? Like, how would you describe that promo? What are you trying to get across when you cut a promo?
7: I, the biggest thing is I try to get my message straight across. You know, I'm going to go into battle against this guy right here. But I try to have so many elements of, you know, your uh, Larry the Enticer, you know, your gingerbilly your you know, your viral Americana looking guys, you know, your here's some beer, here's some American flag, some fireworks and a monster truck type deal. Just everything mm-hmm. America. But it, condense it down and put it into a concise that I'm going to target this specific thing. So Recently with David Ali, okay, I recently had a match with him for our gladiator title here at Spinebuster. You know, he attacked me in a hardcore match with a flag, the flag I carried to the ring. So automatically, go hacksaw Jim Duggan on him and say, hey, man, you dropped old glory. I ain't having that. This flag stands for the uh, strong and proud, and I got a bone to pick with you
1: gotcha just simple concise like moving the story along connecting the dots for and that's another element of promos yes you're supposed you're trying to sell sell tickets but you're also trying to connect storylines for people that may not have been part of the first chapter or the last thing that you did you connect those dots and again it sounds very mechanical but it's essential right i think in this day and age we assume Oh, you know, I I mean, when I used to do surveys at PCW, I found that half our audience on any given show was brand new. They'd never been to PCW before, even though in our eyes, we would look out and go, oh, it's the same crowd we always get. That's not the case. And you need to connect the dots for people as much as possible. And that's, it's hard. That's called exposition in writing. And it's very hard to do in a way that's believable um, and also concise. And if you're managing to do that, you're doing good work.
7: So. People uh, really under- it, underestimate these days how to actually use videos, and you can cut promos to draw people in. It's not just the footwork you're doing, passing out flyers or putting up signs. It could be mm-hmm. the internet presence right there. Like recently with Southern Honor and Joe Black, I was moved by that promo. I loved it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've, I try here at Spybuster to make sure I get a video out and make sure people are on un- um, – if you're not in the light, people are going to forget you. Absolutely
1: right. Absolutely right. Well, thanks for coming on, man. You did yourself proud. You did Spinebuster proud. And uh, I will definitely have you back on the show at some point. Um, so thanks a lot. I would absolutely lot. love that. Yeah, man. appreciate so it. I
7: would love to be on the show again.
1: You got it. Right on. It's a very different look, a very different promo. Speaking of very yeah, different. Yeah, nice contrast um, there. I, yeah, yeah, I love yeah. that he chose a
2: Marty Skrull. Hey, we're yeah. going to go now I, to um, – Dan mm-hmm. Wilson couldn't be with us in person, but he did send something in for us. Very nice.
3: And we're oh, going to go to that now. Hello, Tipping Point listeners. It's been a long time. The Reverend, the Dragon, asshole, that guy that always tried to get me to take less money, Dan Wilson here, enjoying a lovely retirement, but Stephen Platinum reached out and asked me to participate in this contest, and I thought, you know, why not? Retirement has been fun, and I've got no desire to return to wrestling in any capacity I hope you missed me. Uh, it's been interesting to hear my name come up recently in discussions, even though it's been almost uh, three-quarters of a year since I've been away from the business, but I'll take that as a compliment if you uh, want to hear more about it. Maybe I'll I'll talk later on down the road on a future episode of The Tipping Point, uh, but... First of all, before I get started on this, i got to plug my current enterprises. I'm a purveyor of all things horror on a DIY independent level with my little production company that could, One Good Scare Productions. We produce a weekly podcast called Seeking Human Victims. We are in our third season, currently covering the entire Friday the 13th franchise. Check us out on social media at OG Scare on Twitter, uh, Facebook, and more and our website, ogscareproductions.com. We also make a few web series. We put out a web series called Wrestling with Horror uh, last year, and we're going to be going into pre-production on that. We're also in pre-production on our second short film titled Leap Day. So be on the lookout for that later in the year. But okay, so regarding this promo, so he asked me to pick a promo that was one of my favorites and just tell a little bit of a story about why I like that promo, and then I'm going to read it for you, and of course, I'm going to do a little little impersonation along with it. We'll see how that goes, but so I picked Terry Funk because Terry Funk is my all-time favorite wrestler, and I think some of his promos are of the best of the best, and I don't think a lot of preparation went into them. I think he was just being himself in a lot of cases, and he had a few stock phrases that he would go to, certainly, from time to time. But I do feel like uh, he's a great example just organic promos and, and how you can sell a match just by shooting from the hip and being who you are. So this was from 1981. This was following the infamous Empty Arena match with Jerry Lawler in Memphis, And it was setting up for a cage match. It's a short, less than two-minute television promo, but is so very effective in selling this cage match. So, here goes. Yes, I had a big match with Lawler. Sure, I'm missing some teeth. Yes, I've got permanent damage in my eye. But have you seen Jerry Lawler? Has anybody seen him? Does he have enough guts? To come back against me again? I am the meanest man in professional wrestling today. They had to pull me off Lawler while I was beating on the man's body while he laid there. This week, they're going to have a fence around the ring. And you people remember what I'm saying to you because I'm speaking the truth. You will never see Jerry Lawler wrestle again. So if you want to be there for his retirement match, you sure better come down there because I'm going to take that man and I'm going to hurt him so bad he won't be able to wrestle again. If I have to break one leg, I'll break it. If he gets up and hops to me, I'll break the other leg. If he comes crawling on his belly, I'll kick him in the head. Believe me. Jerry Lawler is going to pay, and he is going to pay dearly for what you did to me. I love my family, and my family loves me, and my brother loves me, but I have no respect for anyone like Lawler. I have definite hatred for the man, and I'm going to take that sickness out of my mind. So there you have it. Terry Funk selling a cage match with Jerry Lawler in Memphis. It doesn't get much better than that. Short, sweet, to the point. Sells the match. Doesn't take up a copious amount of television time. One of my absolute favorites. So, hope everybody's doing well, and I will catch you around. Check me out on social media. I'm on Twitter at Dragons Rejects. On Instagram there as well. You can find me on Facebook at Rev Dan the Dragon Wilson. though it is... Uh, easier to find me at the one good scare productions. That's where I'm spending most of my time these days. So thanks again, tipping point. We'll talk to you soon.
1: <laughs> Another guy. Boy, why to, who, oh my God. How about that offer to freaking come on tipping point and tell us everything that went down at the end of his tenure. Oh my God. <laughs> That's awesome. We definitely have to do that. Yeah. I mean, and again, he he and Jeff, I mean, you do see a similarity there, right? Like the, their natural cadence, that's, I think, a very powerful, powerful word when we're talking about promos. There's a cadence that these guys just talk into because they're so seasoned at cutting promos. Um, everything is about pushing an agenda. Everything is about illuminating what you want seen. And Dan naturally speaks that way, and so does Jeff. And, you know, Maybe hold my beer. Hanson's going to get there too someday. It's very interesting. I I get accused of that all the time Or people are like, God, it's like, you're just cutting long wrestling promos in your videos. It's like, that's how I talk.
0: <laughs> that's, how, that's how I've learned to
1: speak. Um, so yeah, great stuff from Dan. And of course, Terry Funk. Um, one of the masters. I'm I'm glad that you know an old master was brought in, like Terry Funk, and like and you know very different, right? Not a structured promo. I think he's right. I think Terry Funk just went out there and,
2: <laughs> and
1: here we go. Yes, and, 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 uh, and he said
2: not not a lot of pre planning there in in the Terry Funk promo. He just goes out there and wings it, and I love it.
1: And it's interesting that you know Terry, Terry Funk often got accused, right? Like there's people who who care about such things who go when Terry Funk won the NWA World Title that they didn't like it because they thought that Terry did too much comedy. And in this promo, though sometimes Terry Funk could let that stuff slip in, even in very serious, threatening promos, he sometimes would say stuff that would almost take me out of it because he'd say something silly about his opponent. But in this one, boy. Uh, I, I mean, you want you want to sell some tickets in Memphis? Say that about Jerry Lawler. I mean, nobody's laughing. Yeah. You know what I mean? And uh, But everybody's lining up to get a ticket, and it just doesn't get better than that.
2: Next up, yeah. Southern Honors, Southern Fried, PWX. He's everywhere these mm. days. Logan Creed, welcome to the show.
1: What's going on, guys? Yes, sir, Mister Wrestler of the Year, the King is here. So, Logan, how are you doing right now? You're you're incredibly busy. I see you all over the place, and you got a big show at PWX coming up. What do you? How are you feeling about that? Being part of so many of the big things that they're doing right now.
4: I, I love it. You know, that's like we talked about before. You guys have kind of been on this adventure with me, so. I can't tell you how excited I am to know the next three days are going to be the only days for the next month that I kind of get to even stop. (laughs) And, uh, I I couldn't, um, I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it with the kids and uh, my family. But, you know, as soon as, as soon as Friday evening gets here, then it's, it's back to business. That's awesome. So why why did
1: you want to come on and do a promo? I'm so thrilled that you did. Um, I'm so thrilled that you picked a promo to come on. But what what about this spoke to you? Why did you want to come on and talk about one of your favorite promos? Uh,
4: this so this promo is is actually I was a senior in high school uh, when Paul Heyman did this promo. Um, at that time, you know, 99, 2000, 2001, uh, wrestling was so hot um you know it was the it was the attitude era it was WCW you had ECW and then 2001 it's when you know Vince finally you know, obtained everything and uh you know ECW finally finally shut its doors and everything was kind of taken care of with, with the legal things they had going on and uh of course Vince had purchased WCW for an extremely exaggerated low amount uh, i don't know if you guys know the facts on that but um it's crazy what he ended up purchasing WCW for. It was only a little over $2 million. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, but this was the time, you know, and I, I remember high school and being a wrestling fan, but it wasn't just everybody was a wrestling fan. You know, it, being in sports, uh, everything was wrestling related. Everything we did, even at practices, it, it, every everybody knew, you know, what was going on on Monday Night Raw and on SmackDown. Everybody was talking about it. Everybody was saying the signature phrases, you know, walking the halls of school, uh, the T-shirts. Like, it was just, it was it was massive. It was just such a big thing. And this was such a big time, too, because, you know, WCW and ECW now had, it was the invasion angle, which, you know, it didn't really do what I think they wanted it to do for obvious reasons. They couldn't get the, the talent they wanted, who I couldn't blame them. were sitting at home getting paid from Turner, but they still were able to, to make a storyline out of it. And, and it ended up, it ended up for me, I, I loved it, you know, because it was what we, we dreamed of for years is what would happen if, you know, they, they ever got to go against one another. And so this promo yeah. that Heyman does, it's really long. So I don't, if you guys want me to read all of it, I will. Um, You just let me know because it's, <laughs> It's extremely long, but this this promo, and when I, I remember hearing it when it was on, um, it was such a real promo. You know, it, at a time when you hadn't really seen them break the fourth wall barrier, I, I guess um, as far as promos go in the WWE. But this this whole storyline yeah. had really given that opportunity, and not only that, you know, you're only a month, you're only two months out of September 11th. And the whole world had kind of changed at that moment. And everything was a little bit more real. You know, everything was – everybody was on edge. Everybody was – had a little – you know, a different feeling. And to me, I think the promo itself just – it just spoke. You know, if you go back and listen to it live, it's – or, you know, watch it on the network, Um, it's an, it's insane, you know, how intense Heyman was when he when he did it. And not only that, but some of the things he talks about – you look now, almost 20 years later, and, and it's literally like it's all come full circle. Uh, and we're right back with what he talked about in this promo. Mm. But, uh, yeah, I'll start. Unfortunately, I have to follow Dan, which, like, hearing him read it, it sounded like he was cutting the promo himself. And I'm pretty sure he did it better than Funk, but... uh <laughs> <laughs> I felt like you. I felt like you was I felt like I was uh, listening to a horror story narrative, and uh, at any moment somebody was yeah. going to scream. I was going Yeah, that's where I was at. I was like, God, how do you do that? Um. Yeah, I miss Dan a lot, and Jeff. It was good to hear both of them. All right, so I'm going to start. If you guys want to stop me at any point and talk about it, because like I said, it is alone. That's fine. Uh, in just a few moments at my leisure, I'm going to call out Vince McMahon out to his ring in front of his public on a television show that's owned by his grand company. At least that is until this Sunday at Survivor Series. I know how much you people appreciate what Shane and Steffi and I have done, how Shane and Steffi and I have stood up to the tyranny of Vince McMahon. And the way it is, ladies and gentlemen, is quite simple. The World Wrestling Federation will die this Sunday. But don't blame me for that. It's not my fault. I'm not the one who's ruined everything that was accomplished by Stone Cold Steve Austin. You see, at Survivor Series, it means so much more than just the personalities that are involved. It's about ending what Vince McMahon has tried to accomplish. I sat there at a desk on Monday and I listened to Mick Foley, and I agreed with everything he said. Mick Foley had to say that WWF truly does suck. Don't boo me. Have you watched the television show lately? Vince McMahon has lost his mind. The man doesn't have it anymore. He has been. His ideas are antiquity. His concepts are Drakian, and Mick Foley was right because the WWF is imploding from within. Like every great empire, the WWF is imploding from within. Vince's loyal employee, employees like Stone Cold left him, like Mick Foley wants nothing to do with him. Vince, Vince's own children want him to, you know, to burn in hell, and I don't blame him. Vince McMahon will see the WWF die this Sunday at Survivor Series, and he has no hope to save his precious company. Vince McMahon has the same chances of saving the WWF as he did of realizing his dreams of starting a football league. So this cues Vince McMahon to come out. I want you to know that I was down on my knees because I know you're used to men kissing your ass, Vinny. Every time you walk in the back, there's Patterson and Briscoe. Oh, wait, what a great idea you had, Vince. You like men kissing your ass, don't you, Vince? Because that's what you're all about, a billionaire, the billionaire Vince McMahon, the creator of sports entertainment. I've waited so long to see you face-to-face like this, and I've waited so long to tell you to your face that I hate your stinking guts. It's not just me. It's your children that hate your stinking guts, Vince. And and at Survivor Series, your children are going to do what 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 you have I've waited my whole life to see someone do to you, Vince. You are, so help me, God, the most disgusting, vile son of a bitch I've ever seen in my life. You took Hulk Hogan's blood, and you built Titan Towers. You stole Bret Hart's dream, and with that money, you bought yourself an airplane with WWF all over it. You did that, and you know it, you son of a bitch. You stole Shawn Michaels' smile, took your company public, and made yourself a billionaire, but not a self-made billionaire like you tell everybody you are. Oh, no. So you're a billionaire on other people's hard work. Your father, Vince McMahon, your father went around the country and shook the hand of every, you know I'm telling the truth, don't you? You know in your heart that I'm telling the truth, that your father shook the hand of every promoter in this company and swore to them that he'd never compete against them, that his son would never compete against them. And when your father died, you competed. And with your ruthless, merciless, take-no-prisoners attitude, you drove everybody out of that business, didn't you, Vince? You ran all the competition to the ground, and you stole all their ideas, and you made yourself a billionaire out of it. And you know whose ideas you stole the most, Vince? You stole mine. You see, I don't give a damn about Don Owen and Sam Mushnick and Jim Crockett. I care about what you did to me and my family, how you stole my dreams, how you stole my legacy, how you stole everything that extreme championship wrestling represented. Because while Doink the Clown had green hair and a rubber nose, Stone Cold Steve Austin was drinking his first beer at ECW, damn you. While Bobby Heenan and Gene Oakland were dancing and singing in Tutti Frutti, ECW was producing the edgy TV that you named Attitude. We've got attitude. You've got nothing, man. <clears throat> what you've got is my ideas. You stole my life, my money, my legacy. Screw you. Screw you and your family. I'll tell you something. Your own children hate your guts. And on Sunday, your children are going to get even with you for everything you stole from me, for everything you stole from them. You flaunt your affairs in front of your wife. You flaunt your affairs in Playboy for your children to read. You bastard. Look at Taz. Look at Taz. This man was a killer. He was a machine. He was a wrestler, a great wrestler, a real man. But wrestling is a dirty word in you isn't it, Vince? Your father built a wrestling company, and you, you had to have sports entertainment. We had to have sports entertainment. He was a wrestler. He was a great wrestler. He was a man. And now he's a fat, little, obnoxious color commentator and not even a good one. He's a sports entertainer. He's not a wrestler because you made wrestling a dirty word. You made wrestling a dirty word, Vince. What kind of a man are you? What kind of a man takes wrestling and makes it sports entertainment? It's Survivor Series. You're going down. You're going down, Vince. I promise you you're going down, and I'm going to watch it. Your children are going to lift their leg and stand over your grave, where you, and we're going to laugh. You know what else I'm going to do, Vince? I'm going to run your ass out of the business, and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. I'm feeling good about myself.
1: Yeah, man.
4: <laughs> I was.
1: I, I mean, I, I hate your stinking guts. Um, that promo took place in Denver, Colorado, yep. and um, I, I remember all of us watching, and and it's it's rare that a bunch of wrestlers are quiet, um, but there was something about that that just felt. It felt right. It just felt amazing. And it's people who do con con work, right? Who fool people for a living. And if we're being honest at, at its heart, that's what pro wrestling is, right? It's, it started that way as a money hustle and a con and, and that kind of thing. But part of the genius of a con or selling something is putting people, they call it, the phrase is putting people under the ether, which means you get them to think emotionally and not logically. The problem with modern wrestling is the modern wrestling fan won't allow themselves to go under the ether, that they're always intellectualizing everything and not enjoying it. But Heyman through reality and through his own reality woven in, um, I mean, he puts you under the ether. You just can't help it. And that's the genius of the promo. So, so you saw that. If you were in high school when that promo came out. Hashtag I'm old. So, so w- w- did you feel like you were getting a peek behind the curtain? Or were you enough of a wrestling fan that all of this was stuff that you, you, you knew about, you just nodded along? Or what, what was your reaction to the promo?
4: I didn't know about, you know, I was still very much a naive wrestling fan. I had always been a very naive wrestling fan because I wasn't the guy that, that went and dug for information about, the, I mean, it, this is crazy. Yeah. I didn't even know there was an indie wrestling at all until I searched one day because I wanted to find out how I could train to be a wrestler, uh, which was probably just a few years after this, honestly. I think it was three, three or four years after this that, that mm-hmm. that's when I started but I didn't know. I didn't know how it worked. I didn't have a clue. Never thought how you know how would I go about you know finding out. I didn't know. It, you know, it was just very much still real to me. You know, to the sense of you know, I knew that they weren't really killing each other, but I didn't. You know, I didn't know. I didn't know any of the behind the, the scenes details. So yeah, it was it was a moment where it was like, oh wow, like this this seems really real. And what's cool too is is the next year, you know, they would drop the F. This was the last year that it was the WWF. They become the WWE the next year. You notice in that promo, he does a really good job of selling the point that after Vince wins, he just turns it into sports entertainment. And I think that's like a little, like, secretive, like, Easter egg-type thing that he planted in that promo. and
0: Hmm. Nobody
4: really picks it out when you look at it, but he was telling us all that it was becoming sports entertainment. If, yeah, if he won, you know that's it. it literally, did that. If he won. Next year, we got WWE. Um, so I, I thought that was really cool too when I going back and looking at it. And I even I love listening to the uh, Why We Wrestle podcast when they go back and they uh, you know, they, they talk about a pay per view or a show, but they give the details leading up to it. I uh, it's it's so good to listen to any anybody that's listening that's a wrestler. You should be listening to that show because it's it's just a two-hour-long teaching, um, Yeah, but uh, I, it, there's just so much stuff that was going on behind the scenes during this year. It was such a big year for the company as far as things that were changing and moving forward with the sports entertainment aspect of it. Oh, awesome. Well, man, we can't thank you enough
1: for being on. Um, I mean, you're wrestler of the year last year. And uh, I'm putting up a list in two days, actually, or maybe tomorrow. Um, I'm going to do a full disclosure right after this show, and then I'm putting out the top ten list. Any guesses on where you place in the top ten wrestlers in Georgia?
4: <laughs> I mean, <laughs> it's definitely going to be top three, I would think, coming from you guys. Uh, no, you guys, uh, no, I put myself in the top three because I know I am. Um but, and, you know, there, there's so many good guys in the state right now, man. There's so many guys that are, that are making their mark in other places, and it's awesome to see, uh, you know, everybody chasing, chasing these dreams and this opportunity. Well, thanks
1: a lot, man, taking us down memory lane a little bit and bringing up a really great pro- – a, a, a really a seminal promo. I think it's, it's one of those promos that defined an era. And quite honestly, that Heyman promo – bolstered the angle when it needed it the most.
4: <laughs> you, know? <laughs> so, you know, nobody wanted Stone Cold to be a heel at that time. You know, they nobody wanted him with the alliance and you know, it really what well, you you're right. It was it wasn't getting the traction that they hoped as the company. Which if you go back and watch any of it, you wouldn't know that listen to the crowd reaction. I mean, as soon as the right. first match it was madness. Like if you guys and, it, you don't hear that reaction anymore, even at the, at the Raw's now. It's such a phone in. like, okay, we cheer now. Okay, we boo now. Like, these people were just maniacs as soon
1: as – Invasion, the, the pay-per-view invasion, at the time it happened, which just shows you how much money they could have made with the whole thing. Invasion was the biggest money-making pay-per-view that was not called WrestleMania in history. Yep, exactly. <laughs> and that should never be forgotten. At that time, <laughs> Invasion was the biggest non-WrestleMania pay-per-view ever. So it shows you people
4: wanted it, man. People, people were desperate for it. Thing, you know, go back and imagine if they'd have been able to pull in Spring and, and some of the top names from WCW. It would have been insane. Yeah, I mean, looking back, it's easy to see it. Like they should have just bought those
1: guys' contracts out and brought them in, and they and they so should have and they should have booked them as winners, you know, Um, and uh, yeah. Fascinating stuff. So thank you so much, man. We appreciate it so much. Thanks, Logan. But certainly not least, man, you know, something about the promo. Yeah. The guy that, the guy that cut the best promo of the year so far,
2: and he's joining us now, Matt Hankins. My
6: friend, Stephen Platinum, I would never want to spoil anything you worked hard on, but I can tell you there ought not be but one name on that list beside Manager of the Year. And that's the man you're talking to right here, 77 days, as your <laughs> Anarchy Television Champion, Matthew Hankins. That's the one you got right now. And as a matter of fact, pencil me in at the top of Male Performer of the Year, too, while you're at it, my good friend. Boys, it's glad to be back. How you
1: doing? Oh, doing good, man. Doing good. You know, I don't know if you caught the, the top of the show. <laughs> Larry, 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 and I were talking about, you know, what are the national promos this year that have caught fire, and we could name exactly one, which was the Cody Rhodes promo. And then we are okay. talking about who, agree. who's caught, the, who's caught, who's cut the best local promo, and it's you. And you know, I love that there's this sort of debate about who should win manager. You know, some people. Bro- Oh, and, it's, and the two names that come up that really matter, that aren't just people's friends putting the names up, it's you <laughs> and it's Doc Brock. And um, it's it's fun having a dog fight for manager of the year again. It's Absolutely. fun having that fight. And I'm here to fight.
6: Mm-hmm. I'm here to fight. Um, where's your music video, Doc Brock? I didn't see that. I uh, must have missed that one. Where's your 77-day <laughs> reign? Doc Brock, I must have missed it. Where are you on this show, Doctor Brock? Talking about promos and you're not here. I must have missed him, but I could have swore I've been on this phone all night. I thought I was gonna be in the main event, then Logan Creed comes in and destroys everything with an excellent interpretation of that Heyman promo. Now I find out I'm in a damn post match. I'm in the dark match. Sitting I'm happy though. Good booking. Stephen Platinum's man I learned
0: it all from. <laughs>
1: so, so man, let's let's get into it. Let's get into it. What's the promo and why the promo? Why are you picking this promo?:
6: So here's the deal, boys. I waffled. There were three promos that I was that I went back and forth on. One, I didn't choose because I figured Bailey would do the one that Bailey did, and I would not want to step on his toes. Two was a promo from the God King himself, Jeff G. Bailey. It was the PCW War Games promo that I just call the Piss Bags promo. But I didn't pick that one because I can't do it justice. I'd have to do an impression. Bailey hates my impression. And again, reverence to Jeff G. Bailey. So the third one is the promo that in my life I have watched the most times. Um, And throughout my life, the reason I've watched it so many times is sort of Evolved as I got more and more into wrestling, I started taking different things from this promo. Um, it's short. It's not particularly. Uh, it's not excellent. It's not something that anyone else would have ever picked. But for me, this promo has turned into a thing that really has meant a whole lot to me. So I'm just going to read it now. Then we'll get into the discussion of it, if you don't mind.
1: Nice. Yes, please.
6: Everybody say we a sneaky Jap. Jared say that we call a Jap. I tell you what, we're not a call a sneaky Jap. We are Imperial Supreme a Japanese. We tell you now, I'm going to do now. If Jared come to TV today, I'm going to beat him up. I'm going to take a paint. I'm going to paint his back a yellow streak. And I'm going to beat his back with a belt like a dog. And if Jared, Jared bring his retarded son, I tell you what, I'm going to beat him up with a bullwhip. I'm going to whack him in the back and I'm going to paint a yellow streak behind his back. Where are you fat man? Where are you fat man?
0: And. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow. 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 So when did you first see that promo, hear that promo? Do you remember? So,
6: uh, yes, I do. Um, I grew up in North Alabama, and as I've told many people, uh, me being in wrestling has more to do with glow than it does WWE just because of the way that TV worked. We just didn't. I, came, I, was, I was born and came of age as the territories had kind of gone away. Um, there wasn't a lot. Okay. But my whole life, I watched whatever I could. And my grandfather, my father, my mother, and everybody in my family, anytime they saw me watching wrestling, I would always mention Tojo.
0: <laughs> well, I've never seen this
6: Tojo. Tojo was long long past his prime before I got into this, to the point where every Asian person I ever saw on television with my grandfather was called Little Tojo. So as I got older and YouTube exists, and I'm looking around I'm like, all right, I remember everybody telling me this damn Tojo What's going on with this Tojo? So I start Googling, you know, you go down a YouTube hole, and, you know, I see Tojo doing old wrestling stuff. I'm like, okay, okay. And then I see this this YouTube video that's labeled. It's labeled something like the most hated Memphis angle ever. That's just the title of the video. So I'm like, well, I'm going to click on this. And it's Tojo cutting that promo. Mm. And so initially I'm just laughing because it's crazy Tojo doing crazy Tojo stuff. And he calls Jeff Jarrett retarded, which I just got a big kick out of.
0: <laughs> and then,
6: and he, the whole promo is about, you know, Jerry Jarrett better not show up. And then Tojo remembers in the middle of the promo shit, it's not Jerry, it's Jeff. I better throw him in there too, because Jeff's the one coming to make the save. So, Sabata, 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 here comes Jeff. Tojo gets the paint, Tojo gets the belt. Well, then somehow, tables get turned, and Tojo proceeds to beat Jeff Jarrett with a cane for what seemed like 15 minutes.
0: He just beat I me, and he's letting it have it. <laughs> Initially,
6: I'd watch it for purely entertainment. It just, it tickled me, and then the beating happened. It was everything I loved about wrestling. Well, as I got more into this thing, I'd, I still would keep watching it, and I started to take different stuff from it. And I was like, wait a minute. I understand kind of why I'm super into this. A, it's funny. It's just funny to hear a crazy Japanese person talk crazy Japanese like this in Memphis, Tennessee. And if there's anything that matters to me most, if you boil down everything I do, any promo I cut has got to have some element of humor in it just because that's, that's what works for me. Mm-hmm. Um, especially here where the landscape is dotted by two giants that were already on the show in Jeff and Dan, and those guys were dead serious. They did yeah. a different thing. It would be foolish of any of us. To come out here and try to be that, because you can only hope to be a copy at best. You're, yeah. You can hope to be a single tape, co- you know, single time copy. Um, and it it helps and it helps my personality to be able to be a little silly, to say silly things about your opponent, like calling him retarded. And then I'm like, well, Tojo had no. Why did they let Tojo talk? Tojo had no business being on the microphone. What's the point in that? I was <laughs> like, you know who else fits that mold? It's the guy in the mirror. I have no business doing any of this stuff. I, this
0: I came in,
6: thief in the night style, sneaking around. Next thing you know, here I am, television champion. So, yeah, I realized in, in in doing this exercise, like, that promo actually does mean a lot to me for more than just what I initially thought it did, which was just super funny. But it is also super funny. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. And also I was
6: terrified that it would be a night of everybody just reading hard times. So I'm like, i got to be off the board. I've, <laughs> I've got to be off the board. <laughs> yeah, well, that was off the board. <laughs> <laughs> but y'all brought in the heavyweights tonight, so everybody knew their part. And, and shit, everybody did a good job. they so right Yeah, they did. And everybody yeah. comes in and does a good yeah, job.
1: I, I got to say, I mean, just on the little post-analysis, I I, I was most surprised. Though you're, you're not going to hang with the people that did their thing. But uh, I thought uh, Hanson acquitted himself nicely, honestly. That's like, really... it's, cl- it's clearly a promo he cared about. Like, all the, yep. all the boxes were checked, you know. And, um, a- and again, it was, it was the most modern take of all of them, which I was like, oh, that's great that we got a modern one in there. Okay. <laughs>
6: and great. it's from a guy who I would never have thought about being a great promo in scroll. I don't think of any yeah. of those. Also, side note: I was at the Fighter Fest show, so anytime you want to talk about that,
0: I got a lot to say. <laughs> <laughs>
1: wow, wow, wow! So, uh, you know, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna just break it down like this. And, Larry, if you have any final questions for for Matt, please. But. Um, I'm fascinated that the fact that managers are now in the fray again. You know, I think it, it started with – obviously, you were all putting in work. But, you know, Logan, Logan Chase, you know, put out those articles, right? Like, managers mm-hmm. are important, and we need to seize it, and da 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 And the discussion started. And, I mean, the, Jeff and Dan not being there
6: is – Well, that's the first domino that had to fall. Let's just be honest. That's yeah. the domino that had to fall. Um, regardless of what any of us would have done, we're not going to eclipse the sheer magnitude, just the volume of work that they are. You can't uh, – the next wave of British – the clash can't exist if the Beatles are still hanging around.
0: Nice.
6: The Beatles had to go retire to a big white house on a big stone hill and they had to go and make crazy horror movies that was that is the door that had to be open for any of us to get a foothold in here And because now people have to look but that also means that the standard is much higher than it would have been in other places where there's just a bunch of bums running around doing it we have a we have a standard to keep here and i think there are some yeah. of us that do a pretty good job
1: yeah yeah, and I have a feeling it's going to get more interesting. I mean, um, part, of the, part of the full disclosure that I'm putting out is the, the scuttle, but I'm hearing about GPW, like the, the fucking bombs going off behind the scenes. It's, it's all fascinating, and, it, again, it centers around managers. It centers around mm-hmm. – because one thing that's happened with, with managers, because when you talk promos, you have to talk about managers is the role of the manager has changed. I don't think it's a coincidence that Logan Chase is a bit of a shot caller. I don't think it's a coincidence that Matt Hankins is a shot caller. I don't think that's a coincidence because managers, the role is different. And and part of that role, though, is they're concerned with drawing primarily focused on drawing it has nothing to do with work rate shit has nothing to do with any of that it's we got to get asses in the seats and so who better to be to have a say in how shows are run in the state of georgia than managers and i and it's a role that i think a lot of them are slipping into and i think it's a good thing
0: we're best
6: suited a, a, a guy that can do one is probably pretty well suited to do the other if you can manage and effectively and be good at it, then that shows that you a know how to talk, you know your position, and you also know how the pieces should fit together. And if you can do that, you might not be a brilliant booker, but you can be a guy who understands the first match through the sixth match goes a certain way, and these things need to happen.
1: I I was a wrestler but I never considered myself a wrestler. Like I considered Mm -hmm. myself, I delighted when I got to manage or when I was, I saw my role as I'm supposed to go out there and put the show over. And usually that meant a wrestler or two along the way where it's like, that's all I saw my job as I didn't define myself as one of the boys. Um, I just thought like, and you know, I had I had nothing. I had the most fun cutting heel promos at PCW against Hankins because I was I was that was just my way. That was my last teaching lesson, not to Hankins, but to the boys. Of my promos were memorable catchphrases, creativity, and it was just like. And there's no and there's no reason I can I can that everybody can't do it. I should be seeing millions of promos. There's no excuse now.
6: I am holding a thing in my hand right now that is better than any camera, than any of the promos that we heard tonight, save for the Heyman one, were filmed on. It has a better microphone in it, better than any microphone, than any of those other promos were set into. I'm holding it in my hand right now. (laughs) So there's no excuse to not just flood the market. Outwork them you just got to outwork them. Now, if you got some bullshit to say, pull it, pull it back. Edit it. <laughs> You're not all of your one-take guys. Not everybody can do it in one take. And for God's sakes, please edit out the part where that shows you
1: cut the camera off at the end. But
6: other than that, just work.
1: And repetition, Round,
6: repetition, repetition.
1: Yes. Round-robin question for each one of us, and then we'll get going. Thank you for staying on, Hankins. Thank you for closing us so strong. Um, uh, who's somebody on the national scene? I'm thinking specifically WWE, but it could be AEW too. Who needs to become the breakout promo person and garner attention for whatever they're doing through promos, and it would make the biggest impact for their promotion? So I'm just going to throw the question out there and give us all time to think of somebody. And then whoever's feeling it, if you're feeling froggy jump, Who's somebody on the Joe. national scene? Joe.
6: Oh, it's it's Joe Joe. I, I think he's probably the best pound for pound promo in that company as a worker. Um, but can't be lazy. You've got to work hard. And if they're not putting you on TV cutting promos, cut them yourself.
0: Just
1: Yo.
6: do it. If they tell you he it, a, a different ch- beast, but do it.
1: He could shed the reputation in one promo. I didn't even think Mm -hmm. of him. But, like, if the rep is, he's just in this for the money, we've seen the kind of damage that rep can do. Like with Brock Lesnar, right, where it's just like there's there's something about it where people want to be under the ether and under the illusion that this isn't a job first for these guys. And uh, Samoa Joe, with one great promo, can can bring them all in. I agree. Wow, what a great choice. I would have never thought that. Um, Larry, who's somebody nationally who could make a big, huge?
2: I think he's done already broken out, but MJF.
1: Oh! I mean,
2: he still needs.
6: You're right, Larry. Um, and I think he's one promo away from explosion. He has not cut. As a great manager once said, "Tell me where the Dolph Ziggler, the great Dolph Ziggler match is." That's where he is right now with the <laughs> promos. We know he's mechanically sound. We know he can do it. He works the gimmick. He understands his thing. He's got it. But he's one great promo away from everybody being like, "What in the shit is
2: that kid?" I, I I agree. There's a guy with all the tools. He hasn't actually hit the home run promo yet, but he's got all the tools yep. to do it. Yeah.
1: You know what? You know what mine is. Eric Bischoff.
0: Ooh, I,
1: think, ooh, ooh. I, I think they should not do general manager characters. I agree with that notion. However, okay. to have Eric Bischoff be the writer for SmackDown and not have his influence felt, when he, yep. wanted, w, when he wanted to turn WCW around and have them start kicking WWF's ass, he did it. He got on the announcer's mic. He did all of that stuff because he knew the yep. story he wanted to tell. And when he is asked to perform, he's great at it. I want to see what happens if he's asked. he asks himself to perform and he doesn't have to limit himself with what he thinks Vince McMahon wants out of him. And he,
6: and uh, he gets a spike to spike the football.
1: Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I would I would love to because Heyman greatness is expected, I think with Bischoff and I, like greatness is not even a word that people would think of, and I think with the right promo he has a chance to remove the stigma from that brand, which is it's the B brand, and I would love for him to just openly declare war on Raw. I think it would instantly make the brands matter more. It would make the whole league more interesting and um and just go like watch us every week and see if we're not better, watch us blah 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 i could i can I could write the promo for him, and yeah. I am available if he needs that <laughs> so um, no now, now somebody locally in the state of Georgia who could really create an impact by cutting a promo? Now, this could be a guy who already cuts great promos, or this could be a guy that we haven't really heard from who, could, who through promos, could become a main eventer. So I'll put that question out there. Mm. I
6: think mm. while he does, he's, an excellent, he's excellent on the mic and he does great introductions, I think there is a very real promo inside of AC Mac that mm. would absolutely launch him, which he's doing fine. Don't get me wrong. A.C. Mack is doing fine for himself. This is not a shot at A.C. Mack, but this is a shot at I think he's got even better in him. And he's got the potential because of his look, because of who he is, because of what he is, because of how he's able to conduct his business professionally. If he's got a blisterer, if he cut the one that started making the loops online, like, hey, check this out. Have you seen this dude? Oh man, he's that guy that does a cool intro. Look at this stuff he says. That would he'd be in the stratosphere, baby.
1: I think I think AC Mac. If I have one knock against him, there's definitely a I'm above this vibe, and mm-hmm. I think with a promo he can erase that stigma. Yep. I think there's a, something about him that that thinks he's better than pro wrestling, which is perfectly fine. I think uh, we all do as well, but, <laughs> but, but you never want to be in danger of being perceived as being too cool for school. And uh, I think that, that with the right promo, I agree. I think AC, because Ma- that, that guy's got, he's one of the handful of guys who has big league potential. And, and I don't mean that spuriously. I mean they are signing everybody under the sun. So what the hell does that mean? But he's the one who, if he if he made it on some level, it would surprise I would say nobody. And so I yep. would love to see him to have that promo. Larry, any thoughts on somebody locally?
2: I think he's already gotten recognition for his promo work, but I think there's more to be mined there, and that's Joe Black. Hmm. Great yep. choice.
6: A lot of the same things we just said about AC Mac apply right there.
1: I'm going to pick somebody way out of left field, of course. Naturally. Um, Who did but, I learn? But what, it, but, what it's to, but, but what it's going to require is this person has to find something um, undeniable within. Because I don't oh. know for a fact that they have that within them. But if they do, it needs to manifest. Danny Jordan. I think if she just keeps going along with this, I'm kind of a bitchy character thing, it's, it's not going to play for that much longer. If she can parlay it into a scary sort of post-Wonder Woman feminism of like... There's something very heelish. I mean, I think there's a reason why the incels reacted against Wonder Woman the way that they (laughs) did. And I think the first woman who figures out what that is and turns it into a nuanced character wins. Because I don't think it's done. I think we're we're still in Madonna and whore. No matter how much we think women's wrestling has evolved, it's still Madonna and whore. That's all we've got. And variations of the same. I think the first one who just goes out there and women love and men hate you give me that guy. Like, you know, you just like I was one of the Washington bullets. I'm like, if we could get you to the point where white people were scared of you, but black people loved you, that's the modern take is appealing to a demo and, and give me the, and I think Danny Jordan has the best chance just because she seems to sort of inspire these very strong emotions. Unfortunately, what I usually read when she posts online, I go like, I don't know if there's a there there, but if there is, and she could bring it out in a promo where she was strong, confident, and was just like, "I'm here, try to knock me down," and just men wanted to fucking kill her, and women were like, "Oh, I secretly love her." Um, she I, I think it at would be the
6: place in front of the crowd that that would have the most impact.
1: Yeah, and you the know. place that was more is most likely to let her do it. To I'll say that's a it. Southern honor too. Yep. Southern Honor, like they do some, they do some kind of out of the norm stuff. I mean, Southern yep. Pride, you you know what you're gonna get. Um, but Southern Honor, I mean, they took such pride, no pun intended, on you know it's like oh look we had Ashton Starr versus Effie. Uh, they took real pride in that. So, you know. Anyway, gentlemen, um, um, go to
2: overtime here.
1: Yes. Yes. Great stuff. Thank you again, Hank, and just thank no. you, Larry, for allowing us to do this. Um, I, I just, I think promos are very important. That's the long and short of it. Any final thoughts, Larry?
2: Uh, just quickly, Stranglehold show is coming into town this week on the sixth. Oh, Bob Horton Jr., Tony Atlas, Animal Gangrel convention at eleven. Show starts at three p.m. That's this Saturday at the Epicenter Epicenter, which is out near Six Flags. Just throwing that out. Please,
1: please tell me some so, tell me somebody's going to that. You or Rod Rob.
2: I'm in Chicago. I won't be there. I don't know. And That's I don't think Rod's going either actually.
1: Crap. you know they they're having a fifty one man Battle Royal and I made the joke yes. is this gonna be one of those shows that it's more more on the car than in the crowd? We're gonna have to see. Maybe they'll make me eat my words. I hope they do. We shall see, but Johnny Danger will be on that card and a bunch of others. Mm-hmm. The
2: Danger City Demons will be in action on that card also. Peach State returns Saturday night. And the return of AWE on Saturday night. On Sunday night, excuse me, the seventh. AWE returns to action. We shall see what that will be. Nice.
1: Well, special thanks
2: to all of our guests. Before you do another uh, full disclosure, do I need to give you a map of Georgia?
1: Um, I I will say this about the Canton thing. I was more pointing out groups that Daryl Morris himself had pointed out as competition and enemies. Ah, He's the one that brought up Matt Griffith. And so I'm like, well, if you're going to set up, uh, it's me versus these two guys, then All right, it's you versus those two guys. And right now, he's the one taking the standing eight count. So, (laughs) and tune into full disclosure so you can can see if uh, he's fallen and he can't get up. My money's on, yes, he has. So, anyway, thank you, gentlemen. Have a good night, and we'll see you in two weeks once again for another episode of The Tipping Point.
2: True.